Molly Lemon with Lemon Farms in Oakley Union, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thank you so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So just jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've watched the nation's cow herd shrink for the past couple of years, and the drought just made it even worse this year. But there may be even more to it than just drought. We'll take a look at that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Someday the flood of cattle coming into Texas feed yards will taper off. But it hasn't happened yet. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The latest Texas crop progress report for small grains and row crops, plus the livestock range and pasture conditions across the state as summer comes to an end and autumn is beginning, at least on the calendar. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. September is a busy month for landscaping in Texas. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about the tasks at hand for September gardening in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We've been watching the nation's cow herd shrink over the last couple of years, and the pace increased this summer as the Texas drought decimated cow herds across our state. But Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says there's more to it than just the Texas drought. Well, you know, we do exist in a in a national market and and nationally our cow slaughter is up. We're, we've culled more cows really with two factors in mind. I, I think drought's the biggest one. And it's not just drought in Texas, but uh, the whole western half of the U.S. Uh, we've had a lot of cows move to market. I think the second big factor is costs. While our calf prices are higher than a year ago, they're higher than they've been over the last several years, they really haven't kept pace with costs, Uh, whether that's feed costs or fertilizer or fuel, those kinds of things. And so if we combine, you know, the effects of drought and the effects of high costs, it's really forced nationwide a lot more cows to go to market. Anderson says the long-term effect of this is simple. Fewer cows, fewer calves, and less beef production. And that should translate into higher prices over the next few years. The Securities and Exchange Commission is considering rules that could affect Texas farmers and ranchers. James Oliver is a rancher near Ozona and is on the board of directors for the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. So essentially the issue is that the SEC, through their regulatory process, has decided to require publicly traded companies 
to report their climate footprint. Um, and not only their immediate footprint, but those of their suppliers and vendors as well. So essentially, for example, at Tyson Foods, they would require their chicken growers to report their climate footprint. They would require the, their beef producers to, um, all the way back to the cow and calf, report their climate footprint. And this is happening without a directive from Congress. That was through a regulatory process, and there's no clear congressional intent in the enabling legislation. So in the meantime, we are talking to our senators and our representatives in Washington, D.C. to try to help protect our our producers. Oliver says at this point, regardless of whether or not Congress intended this to happen, it's a huge overreach of government into the lives of Texas farmers and ranchers. There are still a lot of cattle moving into Texas feedlots. James Hunt says that will change someday, but it hasn't happened yet. We keep anticipating the time when cattle supplies will be pretty low throughout the production chain, but for now the head counts in feed yards remain high as the big influx of cattle into those yards continues. Brady Miller with Texas Cattle Feeders Association says his organization estimates that in August, Texas feed yards experienced a 10% year-over-year increase in placements. We're still harvesting a lot of cows. Guys are still sending lots of cows to town because of a lack of water in their tanks or lack of grass. But Miller is confident the time is coming soon when smaller inventories will be giving both ranchers and feed yard operators negotiating strength. I'm going to predict next year the cow-calf producer, they're going to be fewer calves, fewer cows in the country, so they're going to have a little bit more to leverage, ask for more dollars. We're going to start seeing fewer cattle in the feed yards, so they're going to have a little bit more leverage, and they can start kind of playing that hand whenever they go to market their animals. And so it's a domino effect, and I think we should be on the edge of starting to see that. Now, am I good enough to sit here and say, okay, that's going to start this date this month or this date next month? No, I'm not, because lots of things still can happen, and we know that even the best predictions sometimes are wrong, but I do believe we are on the edge of starting to be able to see that leverage work its way through the system. But Miller warns that better prices won't necessarily mean high profits at the ranch or the feed yard due to input costs. It could be what they're feeding their cows. It could be hay, trying to keep them on the ranch because of the drought. The hay's costing more. Feed uh, sources are costing more. Everything's going up, and that's the same for the feed yards. So I don't want people to think, well, we're going to see higher prices, so that means higher profits. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter wheat is going in the ground, silage is being chopped, and cotton bowls are opening on the Texas Southern Plains. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the latest Texas crop progress and condition report. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service for Texas small grains, well, on the Plains and Edwards Plateau regions, producers continue to plant winter wheat for fall grazing. In other areas of Texas, farmers are working ground in preparation to plant in the coming weeks. To row crops where farmers in the northern Texas High Plains are harvesting corn for silage. Cotton harvest continues in southern areas of the state, while producers in the north are waiting for bowls to open up. Cotton condition was mostly poor to fair statewide. On livestock range and pasture conditions, Supplemental feeding continues across the state. Overall, reports indicate 
that pastures continue to green up from rains received in previous weeks, with the exception of some areas in the central Texas Blacklands and much of the Plains. Range and pasture conditions were rated 52% fair to poor. On-crop progress reports uh, for corn, 68% of the state's crop has been harvested. Cotton acreage harvested is standing at 20% at this point. 92% of the rice crop has been harvested. Grain sorghum harvested uh, acreage stands at 78%. Soybeans harvested is at 25%, while sunflowers are at a 70% level for harvested crops. Winter wheat plantings are standing right now at 33%, with 5% of the oats planted in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September is a busy month for landscaping here in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has an update. Well, September's finally here, and thank the Lord, because maybe it's going to be a little bit cooler and wetter for most of us that need that water. But it's a great time to consider planting trees, probably the best time in Texas to plant trees. And those of you who have healthy existing trees may not need to consider this, but we always know somebody in our family that might could use some trees One, they are on special many times because nurseries don't like to carry them through the winter. Two, they're in pretty good shape, and they respond to planting in the fall better because they grow roots in this cool soil and are not exposed to 100-degree weather until next summer, and so they can become well-established. We lost a lot of trees across Texas, not only through the recent dry, hot weather, but the deep freezes for the last two years. Shade is very important in Texas. We all know that. When it's 105 degrees, they do measure that temperature, you know, in the shade. And so if you have surfaces around your home, whether they be patios or walls or roofs that are not well insulated, the one way that you can help moderate the inside temperatures or surrounding temperatures is with shade. And the rule in Texas is the most Need for shade is on the south and west side of homes and places that we're going to frequent. And deciduous trees, those that lose their leaves in the wintertime, are the best because in the wintertime, if we go through a cold spell and you have a big, beautiful live oak tree, which is evergreen, it doesn't warm up under there. But on one that loses its leaves like a red oak or a chinkapin oak or a bur oak, then that sun penetrates that surface and helps you with your utility bills and is very, very helpful. So when you choose trees for your location, first of all, look at those that have been very successful around you. Know that they are adapted to your soil and climate and water conditions. If there are some that can survive in the absence of irrigation, those might be a first choice if you have limited water supplies. Also, remember fast growing is not always the one that's going to be there for the longevity or for the long term. So discount those that are super fast weed trees and get something that's going to be there for a long time. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. National Hunting and Fishing Day is this weekend, and there are several ways that you can celebrate. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the APPV virus is found in newborn pigs and can cause death loss. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The APPV virus is found in newborn pigs and it can cause death loss. Dr. Bob Judd has more on how this virus can affect newborn piglets. The major concern with atypical porcine pestivirus, or APPV, is the increased death of piglets due to inability to nurse and move around the farrowing stall. One of the pig farms studied had increased amounts of congenital tremors and splay leg in their farrowing rooms in early 2020, and the diagnosis was made by finding APPV DNA in the animals. This farm had no previous cases of APPV, and it is believed the virus entered the herd from either replacement gills or incoming semen for artificial insemination. A study was performed to determine the prevalence of the virus, source of the virus, and the prevalence of the virus in offspring gilt serum. Overall prevalence of affected litters within groups of pigs was 0 to 31%. In an off-site nursery, the virus was present in 37% of the pigs in pool serum samples on arrival and 77% of the pigs at the conclusion of the study. Oral fluids were collected from pens of all pigs present in the finisher barn and 100% of the pigs were positive. This percentage was closest to 98.9% of the semen testing being infected with the virus. If a herd has not had exposure to APPV, which is called a naive herd, the virus is associated with an increase in congenital tremors and splay leg in piglets, and the disease is detectable in serum and oral fluids in asymptomatic animals. The recommendation is to quarantine all incoming animals for a period of time and test for APPV by using oral fluid samples. Also, testing the semen for APPV is recommended to limit introduction of the virus to naive herds. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. National Hunting and Fishing Day is this weekend. Jessica Domel tells us there are several ways you can celebrate. In celebration of National Hunting and Fishing Day, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will host a pair of events for the public Saturday. For those interested in learning how to bow hunt, TPWD's Community Archery Program and Guadalupe River State Park will host an Explore Bow Hunting event from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday at the State Park in Spring Branch. There, archery specialists will help those interested in bow hunting learn the basics. They'll give a deer processing demonstration and discuss game cooking. There will also be an introductory range with 3D targets, bow hunting gear examples, and activities for youth. The program is free with paid park entry fees. The necessary gear will be provided. Again, that is 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday at Guadalupe River State Park. For those interested in fishing, the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center will host the Sunfish Showdown Tournament from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday at the Center in Athens. TFFC event coordinator Katie Burke said the Sunfish Showdown is their way of celebrating our state's 
rich hunting and fishing heritage through teaching opportunities and fun bluegill fishing. The event is supported by several TPWD team members who will showcase their hard work to protect our natural resources in different ways, from fisheries biologists to law enforcement. The Sunfish Showdown is a mentor-based fishing tournament where a child is teamed up with an adult to participate. There will be awards for the biggest fish caught, most fish caught, smallest fish, and biggest and smallest non-target fish. There will also be hourly door prizes. That is 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a lower close in the cattle complex on Wednesday, but cotton bounced back to close sharply higher. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to Farm Life Help. Dot com. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A lower close in the cattle complex on Wednesday. We ended up in the red on both live and feeder cattle futures. October live cattle dropped 42 cents, 145.87. The December down 32 at 150.75. February live cattle down 30 at 154.90. Same thing on the feeder market. September feeders down 62 cents at 178.17. October feeder cattle down 80, 179.22. The November down 95. At 180.32. Cash fed cattle trade still mostly quiet for the week. We do have a few sales reported up north out of Iowa. Some live sales ranging from 145 to 147. That's about two bucks higher than last week. But down here in the south, no sales to report. It looks like the feedlots are still asking 145 to 146. That would be three to four bucks higher than we saw last week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Wednesday. Choice down a dollar fifty-seven at two fifty oh seven. Select up thirty-six cents two twenty-seven fifty-nine. Now let's check the auction barns. Larry Marble heads down to Deep South Texas to check in with Riley Rhodes of Three Rivers Livestock. 
Riley, how did it go? Uh, market continues to be pretty pretty steady. Uh, Larry uh, ended up with 1,143 head today. Uh, calves, uh, you know, pretty much fully steady on the lightweight calves. Uh, some of the bigger calves in Jordan's might have been a, a little cheaper. Uh, cow market was cheaper from last week. Uh, they took some money on, off the real cows. Uh, they're probably 46 lower. Uh, but the stocker cows sold real well. Uh, still, still quite a bit of demand there. We had some pairs today, brought anywhere from 900 up to 1675. Our red cows from 825 up to 12 and a quarter. Uh, like I said, the packer cows a little cheaper this week, 78 to 86 on your high yielding cows, 74 to 80 on your breakers, 32 to 58 on your canners. Uh, packer bulls, kind of same story there, 90 to 96 on your high yielding bulls, 72 to 90 on your low to medium yielding bulls. Uh, your two to three weight choice deers, 192 to 218. Heifer mates, 170 to 188. Three to four weight choice deers, 182 up to 220. Heifer mates, 170 to 184. Uh, the four to five weight choice deers, 184 to 216. Heifer mates, 168 to 182. Five to six weight choice deers, 172 to 196. Heifer mates, 156 to 174. Six to seven weight choice deers, 154 to 166. Heifer mates, 142 to 158. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice deers, 146 to 160. Heifer mates, 136 to 148. So pleased with the market today. Uh, like I said, the only thing that was off a little bit was uh, with the rail cows, uh, and uh, but they're still selling pretty good. What do you anticipate for this next go-around, Riley? I think it's going to be kind of the same, Larry. Uh, you know, probably till we get a little closer to deer season or, you know, a little closer to cool weather, but uh, probably 1,000 to 1,200 here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, see what happens. Everybody's kind of enjoying the green grass, and uh, we sold so many little calves uh, you know, that we should be running this fall uh, earlier in the year during a drought. So, uh, you know, our fall run should be uh, lighter than what they normally are. But I think here for the next few weeks, uh, you know, 1,000 to 1,200. Live Oak Livestock, Riley Road, sells them on Monday. Riley, tell everybody how to contact. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is myself. Uh, LiveOakLivestock.com as well. Thank you, Riley, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to Walk in the Pens and me, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where the lean hog market dropped on Wednesday. October hogs down a dollar fifty-five, ninety-four forty-two. December down a dollar seventy-two at eighty-six forty-five. Class three milk was lower. September milk down six, nineteen eighty-three a hundredweight. October milk down twenty-nine at twenty-one sixty-five a hundred. Big jump in the cotton market on Wednesday. Support coming from the fact that the market is quite oversold following these big losses we've had the last couple of weeks. And there's news that we may have a serious hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico next week, and that could wreak havoc on the southeast and mid-south cotton crop. So that helped support prices Wednesday. December cotton up 359 points, 96.92. The March up 361 at 94.06. Corn market lower with December corn down six and a half, six eighty five and a half. New crop September twenty three corn down five at six forty and a half. Both hard and soft wheat finishing higher in Wednesday's trade. December Kansas City wheat up four cents, nine sixty seven a bushel. December Chicago wheat up ten at nine oh three and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas up seven cents, seven seventy nine. November crude oil down 57, 83, 37 a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow dropping 440 points, 30,267. The Nasdaq down 179 at 11,245. The S&P down 55 at 3,800. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, 
check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.